Coming up on this week's show, we get ready for Rainbow Book Fair with Casey at the Bat comic creator Bob Glasscock. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knaus. Welcome to episode 26 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknaus.com. Hey there. Hello. How's it going this week? It is fine. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. How are you this week? Super. Good. Super, super. So, we're at the 26 mark. Mm-hmm. Which, since we're weekly, implies that we're a half a year old. It implies. Yes, it does. Yes. Because those of you who've been around since the beginning know we launched four in the first week. So that <laughs> there was something out there. Yeah. But, yeah, 26 episodes. Good deal. Happy 26. Well, thank you very much. In four more, we'll actually be a year old. Or a half a year old, rather, in, in May. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just accept my crazy if, if math and go for so. it. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. So, I was editing more this week. Yeah. Good Lord, I'm going slow. Mm-hmm. The day job's just kicking my butt right now, needing my attention more than I want it to need my attention. But uh, we also planned out a production schedule. Yay. Which is kind of exciting. Yeah, we got a whole lot of... <laughs> I was going to say, we got a whole lot of shit planned. Which we do. <laughs> one explicit tag for iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had one of those in a couple episodes now. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. I mean, there's almost, a, I think, almost a dozen things on that list. Yeah. And um, it, it goes out crazily into 2019. So, yeah, I don't know what else to add to that. Yeah, I <laughs> will, we'll elaborate more as we work through the projects and... Yeah. And get through them. So yeah, but we we actually have a production schedule that you even on the video feed you can't see it because it's too far to to the left. But uh, it's there and it's written down. The fact that it's written down means it's going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we got our gay sex coloring book this week. The whole thing came, and now it's covering up your head. Uh, it's quite provocative. I thought that that well, one would hope so. That, that <laughs> it's picture, the gay sex coloring the book. The picture on the front page was uh, the tamest of the lot, perhaps. And I actually I colored this week. Will showed off his. If you're on the video, uh, you can see my version of the free coloring page this week. Yeah. Uh, we will put them back in the show notes this week if you wish to get your own copy of of the coloring book. Uh, we know one of our listeners. Got one whose name I neglected to write down before we started recording. Well, maybe um, this person doesn't want their name mentioned. They put they commented on our blog with their name. Oh, well, they commented on last week's episode. Well, then screw them. Let everyone know how dirty they are. <laughs> but yeah, she ordered up hers and got it as well. So, yeah, yeah. So thank you to everyone and just at uh, Big Gate. Wait, what's it called? I was gonna call it. It should be called Big Gate <laughs> Coloring. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Um. I was going to say, uh, I was going to give a shout out to the uh, folks at coloringbookerotica.com. Yeah, and Justin. And Justin Seed, Side. who uh, I guess did the artwork yeah. for this particular volume. So, it's really good. Uh, I'm going to have a whole lot of fun coloring it in. He, and he said I get to color as well. So, I will say, I was coloring this morning uh, while he was making pancakes. Um, that was the morning, the morning ritual today. 
Um, I am stunned by the name of Crayolas currently. <laughs> it's like, where do those names even come from? <laughs> Razzmatazz? What is that? Words I don't even know. You had to tell me what one of them was. <sighs> the state of coloring today, I swear. Uh, so, the voice. Yes, the voice. We'll talk about some voice. Okay. Um, knockouts are in progress. Um, started Monday, Tuesday, finish up this coming Monday. Uh, which would actually be the first day this, that this show's out. Um, there were three that I really, really liked in the last run. Um, Hannah's rock out on House of the Rising Sun was pretty incredible. Um, Owen, She's Always a Woman. I know I didn't warm up to that the first time I watched it, and you were kind of like, that was really good. Uh, I've gone back, and it's like, that was really good. He deserved to win that knockout. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, and the one that just kind of crushed me and, and left me kind of crying on the couch was um, Allison's take on Joni Mitchell's River. River is such a good song um, all the time. Joni does, obviously, the definitive version of it, I think. Allison's was great. Robert Downey Jr. has one that I believe he did. I think it was on Ally McBeal eons ago that is really good. Okay. Just accept that. Um, I found out that because of our friend Lynn. Um, she pointed that out at some point. I don't remember when, but she did. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, Pharrell made a huge mistake and got rid of one of the cute guys. Um, so now there's only one cute guy and Allison left. Yeah. And they're the only ones that I'm, you know, aware of. Ryan's right still now. there. I was sh- shocked. And the other coaches, I think, were shocked, too, that he gave up that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave him up late enough in the competition that there weren't many steals left to go. Yeah. And so he's just gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't agree with this choice, not only because it was the cute guy, but because the cute guy should have won. He was far better than um, what's-her-name. Yeah. Who, who he chose. But yeah. you know what? Whatever. <laughs> Pharrell's got his strategy. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that works out. I guess. I guess so. Um, speaking of cutie guys... Niall was his usual cutie self on Dancing with the Stars this week. He slayed it. And let's, not just, let's just say that he slayed the rumba, even though it wasn't quite a rumba, but it was a rumba. The judges were all 100% wrong. It was fiery and sexy and amazing and everything that Niall and Peta uh, yes. have already become. Uh, they're wrong. Period. So there. There you go. <laughs> it was a great dance. I agree it wasn't quite... A rumba, but it was a great dance. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and his his little coming out of commercial pose that he did with Alan and a couple of the troop guys was awesome. And is worthy of wallpaper, I think, because he was being his modelly self. And yeah. they gave they had a wind machine and everything, and it was really hot. Um, this past week was the highly anticipated Flash Supergirl mashup. Yeah. Um, and that was really amazing. That was awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I well, really loved it. <laughs> I mean, I love that he got to cross over. The method by which he got to cross over because he's hopping worlds and universes and time dimensions or whatever over on Flash uh, was great. I thought it was a little misscheduled that he wasn't already doing that over on the Flash as much as he should be. Since he got his speed on the Tuesday after the Monday. Whatever. This crossover was great. Uh, Justin and Melissa had awesome chemistry with each other. 
Uh, and it was great to see how Barry Allen's dynamic in that universe disrupted Jimmy and Wynn a little bit and how they feel about Kara and and uh, Kat's one-off comment about how they are all standing there looking like they belonged on a multicultural CW show was <laughs> a, a perfect little a, a perfect little side um, that that there was a CW right there. Um, my guess is if CBS doesn't pick up Supergirl, which they have yet to do for a second season, that the CW is going to find a way to bring that show over to the network or figure out how to make Supergirl part of the Arrowverse. Don't know how they'll figure that out, but they do wacky things over there all the time and how they mishmash. Legend of Tomorrow could go find her, bring her in, and I don't know. Sort that out. You're making a face. What are you thinking over there? I think you're thinking too hard about it. I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm. I'm not gonna f- fanboy and geek out about the, the, supposed, you know, intricacies of whatever universe that they build. Um, that's not why I enjoy the show. Okay, that's fine. So, I'm just saying there's a way to do it if they choose to do it. Um. Swinging to a more serious note, um, April's Autism Awareness Month, and Tammy Middleton, who uh, writes as under the name of T.M. Smith, and was our ep- a guest with us uh, mm-hmm. back on episode eight, yeah, um, is running her annual Autism Awareness Auction uh, for the entire month of April. Uh, she's got more than 30 items from an array of authors and publishers, and even some voiceover artists. And this year, for the first time, she's actually got items that are just for authors. So you can actually get uh, five minutes of professional voiceover for a book trailer, for example. Or a release bit blitz promo package or cover designs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've offered up uh, signed paperbacks of the Hat Trick Trilogy. Um, and you can check out the show notes for the link to this. We'll link over to her uh, blog post about it where you can see everything that's available for the auction. Uh, the bids happen over on Facebook, in her Facebook. Uh, she's got a Facebook album where she takes the bids, and uh, it will run all month. And it is for a great cause, um, so you'll want to check that out. Yeah, most definitely. Um, how how many years again has she been doing this now? I believe this is year four, if I'm not mistaken. And you have you done it every single year? I believe this is my second. You'd think I'd remember that a little bit better, but I believe it's my second year. Okay. Well, good. How how long does this particular um, the word is totally the auction? Scared. The auction. The yeah. auction will run the entire month. Oh, awesome! And, okay. Uh, she will be announcing winners at the end of the month. Uh, there's an array of things there where you can either bid. There are things that are available for U.S. only shipping. There's international shipping, so make sure you're obviously bidding for where you are in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a great cause, and there's some great authors, and uh, we'll be talking about it uh, each week this month to help encourage people to go over there and support the cause. So check it out. What is the website? Where can they find it? It's on her website. TMSmith.com? Uh, no. It's a complex <laughs> website, which is why I'm sending people to the show notes to look it up. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, then go check out the show notes. Check out the show notes where everything, all of the stuff's listed all the time, so you should always be looking at the show notes. But yeah. in particular for this, the show notes is the place to go to get the link. Yeah, be sure and check out biggayfictionpodcast.com for more information. Yes. So this week you finished reading a book. I did. A nonfiction tome, as it were. A nonfiction tome, yes. <laughs> uh, 
Chris Gillibouz, who I probably just mispronounced his name, so you want to correct that for me? Chris Gillibow. Gillibow. Uh, born for this. I've been a fan of Chris's since Art of Nonconformity came out back in like 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a lot of stuff. He started out as a travel hacker, essentially. Uh, and he's got all these ticks, tri- tips to like book travel and... He actually traveled around the world. Uh, that was kind of his thing, visiting every country in the world, uh, which I think was a quest that he finished, I believe it was in 2014, maybe late 20, early 2015. Uh, so uh, having done that, he's got all these tips and tricks for traveling and booking cheap flights and using your airline points and everything. But what I like about uh, his journey, I guess, is that he's also figured out how to work for himself. He started a blog and he's built this business between trying to advise people how to live the life that they're meant to live and find the career that they're meant to have while this while doing this travel thing too i mean he's the perfect example for what he teaches mm-hmm. um in this particular book which i felt like took the art of nonconformity to the next level he's giving a lot of tips on how you can take your nine to five figure out what you love about that to find the thing that you're going to love to do that makes you money at the same time. So you find the thing that makes you the happiest in your life. Uh, some things that I came out of this with, um, what I have in my writing business is essentially called the side hustle right now. Because I've got this this work that's on the side that brings in money that I love to do that in no way relates to my day job. True, yeah. And in my case, the side hustle is something that I want to you know, turn into my full-time gig over time. Your main hustle, as it were. (laughs) My main hustle, as it were. Uh, There's, I think this book holds some interesting stuff for authors as well. Because I think for most of us, the writing is a side hustle, unless we're lucky enough to, you know, convert it over time. But it's got tips on how you can kind of, you know, get to where you convert that side hustle more and more as you go. But there's also things in here about building your tribe, kind of what they call the DIY rock star so you figure out the tips and tricks and how you market to your, your cause the right way and how you connect with your, your folks the right way. Kind of like what, we've, you know, what we're building with the podcast. This is something totally different as a way to connect with people mm-hmm. who are either reading our books or not, yeah. might turn into reading the books, or might just you know, connect with us and then go find other authors to read the books. Um, so some really good stuff in here. I've got a, a longer review um, on the website on jeffandwill.com uh, that I'll link to in the show notes, and you can read a little bit more on it. The book comes out uh, this coming Tuesday, April 5th. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we have an anniversary to mention. Yes, we do. Our friend Danny. Our friend Danny, who runs the Love Bites blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, the blog's turning three. It turned Its official anniversary date was April 1st. Happy anniversary, Love Bites and Danny. Uh, this is important to note because they're having a huge month of giveaways. Authors and publishers have joined together and provided Danny with a lot of prizes so she can celebrate the anniversary all month long. So if you go to the Love Bites Reviews, lovebitesreviews.com, you can see what's going on in the blog. I believe each day is a different giveaway. Oh, awesome. She's also giving stuff away on the Love Bites Facebook page. We will link to both of those in the show notes, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to see... You know, the array of what she's got to offer. And if you're not a Love Bites reader, you should be. Because she does all kinds of great reviews and interviews with gay romance authors. And it's a great site. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. 
All right, check that out at lovebitesreviews.com. Yeah. Okay. How about we get to the question of the week? Question of the week. All right, last week we asked, how often do you browse a physical bookstore for books? AJ said that he rarely browses new bookstores. Uh, he only kills time at Barnes & Noble before the movies. Mm. Mm, sad for Barnes & Noble, but that <laughs> would be the case. Um, however, he does love browsing used bookstores, and we're, we're totally behind you on that one. There's something exciting, he says, about searching through the cluttered stacks of a used bookstore. It's like a treasure hunt. Plus, the book price prices at the used bookstore are competitive with ebook prices, and I'm more willing to take a chance on a $3 used book than a $19 new book. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Nancy says, I almost never go into bookstores anymore, and I feel guilty about it. Nancy, no guilt. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Before Amazon, I browsed bookstores a lot. For me, it was the best way to find out about new books. I started buying from Amazon in the late 1990s. I started reading ebooks on a PDA in the early 2000s and then switched to a Kindle. It is just easier and cheaper to buy ebooks and books from Amazon. Well, Yes, that is a fact. Another factor is the amount of information available on the web from authors, publishers, bloggers, and even Facebook. I recently bought a ha uh, uh, a handwork book. I'm sorry, a handwork book directly from an Australian publisher based on a blog I read. I never would have found that book in a U.S. bookstore. Awesome. It's true. There are things that you will find online that you would never find in a U.S. bookstore. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. That's just the gay sex coloring book. Mm. That mm. won't be in any bookstore anytime soon, probably. No. And woe be the bookstore. Indeed. The world would be a better place if there were <laughs> gay coloring books in more bookstores. Most definitely. Indeed. Okay, you can see the other responses we got on this particular question on the show notes page for episode number 26 at where? BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Damn right. Okay. So, this week you talked to our good friend... Bob Glasscock. I did. Talk to Bob for a couple reasons. A, he runs Casey the Bat Comic, mm -hmm. which is a, a comic, kind of a, a love story soap opera that he created a few years ago. Um, and we're sharing a table this week at Rainbow Book Fair, which is coming up on Saturday, April 9th in New York City. Rainbowbookfair.org, if you want to know more about that, so you can come see us on Saturday. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to get Bob on the show, not just because we're sharing a table, but because he does have this comic uh, that fits right in with uh, what we talk about. Uh, he's a great artist. I have here something that you won't see anywhere else. He did this, which if you're on the video feed, you will see. I got this for my birthday last year. It's a comic that he drew that represents Simon and Alex from the Hat Trick series in their Central High Falcons jerseys. So cute. It's so cute, and yeah. I was just so gaga getting it. Um, he posted it to Facebook for me last year on my birthday. It was cool. Super fun. Um, so he is a he's a comic artist. He's been into comics for years. Uh, he he's going to offer up some great uh, other LGBT comics to look at in this interview. Um, so how about we get to that? Yes, that's good. So I'm excited to welcome to the podcast Bob Glasscock, the creator of Casey at the Bat, the comic series. Uh, which has over 200 strips uh, at this point. Uh, Bob and I are going to be sharing a table at the Rainbow Book Fair this coming Saturday, April 9th. Uh, that takes place at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice Student Dining Hall. And that's a mouthful of a location. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is the second year we'll have done that. And uh, Bob and I are also friends. We played hockey together uh, in the New York City Gay Hockey Association for a number of years. Possibly a decade. Does that sound right? It does sound about right. Yeah. Sounds about right, yeah. So, Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you. 
Uh, nice to be here. Introduce yourself and Casey to our listeners. Well, my name is Bob Glasscock. I'm a, um, I live in New York City. I'm a cartoonist with a day job. Um, I started uh, doing comics back when I was in high school and in college. I, I self-published my first comic, which was called Orb, in 1984. My current project, uh, Casey, it's a gay-themed th- gay uh, slice-of-life romantic soap opera that follows the title character, Casey, and his friends' adventures through life, love, and sports. Uh, it's a comic that started in 20... When did it start? 2011. Okay. <laughs> and now we're in our fifth year, yeah. so it's, it's going pretty strong. Yeah, at over two hundred, that's that's impressive. Yeah, it. I would, I would have preferred. We publish once a week is our schedule that we do. Uh, I would have preferred to been a little further along after five years, but we had a little bit of scheduling problems the last year or so that slowed things down. But we're getting those back on track. That's excellent. Is Orb, by the way, just as a sidebite, is Orb still available for people who may want to find it? Uh, no. Orb is very difficult to find. I have a stack, like, you know, I, I have a stack of about maybe 50 or so that I still have from back in the day. I, ha- I found them in my storage shed when I was cleaning out my storage shed. And I said, oh my lord, I found these copies. I thought they were all gone. I was at a show in L.A. a couple of years ago, and I sold some copies of Orb there. And they actually sold, I couldn't believe it, for a buck a pop, and people were buying them. And I said, well, this is fun. Um, I'm planning right now of maybe rebooting Orb and doing a sister series to Casey so I have something that's more sword and sorcery and superhero adventure as opposed to the soap opera that is Casey. So I'm kind of holding back on selling copies of 30-year-old art. <laughs> okay. okay. Collector's items then for anybody that has them. Also, I lost one of the pages. It was an eight-page comic and I lost page seven. Uh-oh. I couldn't even do a reprint to make it look nicer and put it on the web. So and I try thought about that, posting it on the on the web so people could see it, and it really looks bad. So, no. <laughs> but you never know; I might do it. So back to Casey. Uh, what's Casey's origin? Oh lordy. Um, well, as I said, I did that back in '84 after I did Casey. I moved to New York the next year, and I was kicking around comic ideas about what to do. I was I was looking at doing a second. Uh, a more fuller follow-up to Orb. But at the same time, I had just come out myself as a gay man in, like, 83, 84. And I was young. So the idea of doing a comic about a gay character really appealed to me. Because there weren't any out at the time. In the mid-80s, early 80s, there were no comics about gay people out there. Um, the one that I did like was Matt Groening's um, Akbar and Jeff comics, which are part of the Life in Hell series which were a gay couple in fezzes <laughs> running around. And I loved those. And I thought, you know, we should have more of these. So I started kicking around the idea of a story of a, of a young gay man running around the city. And I started sketched it out. And a lot of it was what I was going to do at the time, going to clubs and bars and meeting people and this whole concept of kind of coming out in New York City in 1985. Um, so I started working on it. And then my health kind of went sour and I got a job and, Things kind of veered me off from kind of working on the comics. So I did a lot of notes, but I couldn't actually sit down and do it. So I put it aside, and I would come back to this concept of this gay male in the city concept over the next bunch of years. Um, and it wasn't until probably God, 20 years later that I kind of said, okay, I'm going to actually do this. I had done all these other projects, all these other things. I was doing web design and graphics and 
all sorts of stuff. And um, I came across, I was sketching it out and I kind of had it done. The character's name was going to be Sam. And he was going to basically get the same thing. The same concept was still kicking around. He was going to work in an office. He was going to do stuff. And uh, I came across, I don't know if you're, uh, you folks are familiar with the works of Tim Fish. He's a gay cartoonist and he does a series called Cavalcade of Boys. I came across his work around 2010. And he was doing, he had done the same thing I was looking at doing. He's gay slice of life with a bunch of male characters running around. I'm like, and I read it and just fell in love with it. So this is amazing. So that got me kind of thinking, okay, wait a minute. Let's quit down goofing around and actually maybe do something. So I sat down and said, okay, we're going to actually do the comic. Um, it, uh, it, it, it was uh, what I decided to do at the time was we said we had played hockey together and I had played softball uh, back in the 90s. And I thought, why not have Casey uh, play sports? We'll do, we'll, we'll do that as a framework. Because I really didn't want to do an office comic. And then I was kind of – I didn't want to do the same stuff that Tim had done. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I can't really do that. It's already been done. <laughs> I'll do this instead. So I put him in comics. I put him in sports. The original idea was he has an ex. He has an ex. And he, he and his ex are on opposing teams on the softball league. That was the original concept of the comic. And I had all these stories going on about um, uh, the, the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend being um, all needy and Casey was going to be the rational one. And I, it wasn't working. So I came up with the idea instead of, of having them established in softball, I had Casey comes out of the relationship and needs something to do to meet new people because he's been in this relationship since he was a kid. And so now he's kind of on his own. And his best friend, Dougie, tells him you should join a sports league. So he then goes to a sports ball and tries out all the different sports. So the idea was going to be we'd see Casey playing softball, Casey playing soccer, Casey playing rugby, Casey playing football, Casey playing hockey. And this was going to be the basis of the comic. And we'd see people that he'd meet along the way. And I, I really liked this idea. The first comics, if you, if you look at the strips, you look at the early ones, you'll see it. You'll see bowling and mm-hmm. you know the whole thing. Uh, but when he played softball, something happened. I created a character, Joey, who had a crush on Casey. And the strips in which Joey was crushing on Casey became very popular. Joey became this breakout character that the <laughs> readers really liked. So it started veering towards more um, kind of romance soap opera, and I stayed with the softball team. So instead of Casey playing softball for a few weeks and then playing football, he stayed with softball. So we stayed with the Anvil team, which is the name of the softball team. And um, we stayed there for a while. And it kind of morphed into more of the romantic soap opera that it's become as opposed to this kind of sports gag thing. Okay. okay. Yeah. He's played other stuff along the way. Like uh, Obviously, some of my favorites of the strip were the, the hockey wedding. The hockey wedding was On the a fun beach. One. Yeah, they um, his friends his friend Spencer is the hockey player in the strip, and uh, he origin- originally I think in the second or third year of the strip second year I think it was he convinces uh, Casey and Joey to help fill in for the uh, Blasters hockey team, and Casey of course he can skate, but Joey is a superstar and does great. So we had that hockey story, and then when we did the wedding story. My friend, our, our friend Mike Marsico, you know Mike. Oh yeah. We had we had a running gag about doing a um, 
a hockey tournament on the beach at Fire Island. We, we talked about this for years. Yes, we, we did. My <laughs> eye, the Fire Island Invitational. And it was going to be amazing. So when I was putting the wedding together and I said, okay, the, the wedding will take place at the beach house that they, that they all share on Fire Island. I said, well, we'll have them play hockey on the beach. <laughs> so, it's much they, easier to pull off in the comics than it is in it, reality. It was, it was very easy to pull off in the comic, although it's because you're drawing a rink in the middle of sand with glass walls. and You're hoping that people understand that you know, it's enclosed in glass and you're trying to do all this stuff. It, it, was a fun, it was a fun bunch of comic strips to do. The Hockey on the Beach was actually a lot of fun. Um, I've been kicking around ideas. I'm trying to get Casey on a basketball court now. I'm, I keep coming up with ideas where he and his friend Troy, Troy plays basketball with his buddies and needs someone to fill in again. And trying to kind of try to bring Casey back to that concept where he tries different sports. Connected to that, what's your, what's your process for coming up with the stories and how long do most of them take to play out? Um, well, generally a story will take place over about three or four weeks. So that's about three or four strips. Uh, what I tend to do is I'll sit there and say, okay, uh, what would I like to see Casey do? And that was the original concept. Then, again, it was, let's do a comic about bowling. Let's do a comic about playing pool. Let's go visit his ex-boyfriend. And so I would basically sketch out a story idea and say, this is the framework of how this is going to work. We're going to have our setup comic. We're going to have our uh, comic where we kind of deal with what's been happening. And depending on what happens, maybe that'll go two or three weeks. Maybe that, that, that might go one or two weeks. And then we'll have a conclusion. So we've got about three or four. And you sketch it out and kind of see how it goes. Um, what happens is I tend to work week to week with a loose framework. So uh, the story, like for example, the story we just did, The Space Dream, was supposed to be three weeks. In December, basically, boom, boom, boom. And I had the three comics sketched out. Here's what's going to happen. Boom, boom, boom. They're, they're, they want to go to Chicago. They get captured. They escape. Done. It ran 10 weeks. <laughs> because every week, I kept adding more bits and gags and thinking, okay, this will be fun, this will be fun, this will be fun. And so 10 weeks later, the story finally finishes. And that that happens a lot. Well, I, had, I, um, I had a skiing story that was supposed to run two weeks. It ran five. You know, these things happen. Um, I, I, I try to keep it loose. That way we just kind of see where the characters go. Uh, the, the original hockey script, the original hockey story, when they filled in with the blasters, that was one of the few times I sat there and said, okay, it's going to be 10 comics. And I wrote 10 comics and it finished and started with the 10 comics that I wrote. The reason that worked so well is I was in jury duty <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and so, I, when I was sitting in jury duty, I would sketch out the stories, and I just basically did the entire thing when I was in jury duty. <laughs> so that one went out exactly as planned, and that was um, one of the only ones that did that. Generally, it's much more freeform. Okay. And now, of course, today, I'm sitting here trying to come up with the next story since Space Dream wrapped up. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think we're going the to Space an- Dream, it had to have been a lot of fun, like... You know, I'm a, I'm a sci-fi geek a lot like you are. So you've got this Star Wars, Star Trek mashup thing going on that then Battlestar Galactica falls, falls into it, Lost in Space yeah, it, shows up. Just all these different characters from all the stuff that I grew up on. Just boom, there they all are. It was it was a lot of fun to do. I've kind of seeded things in the course of this com- of the comic that Casey's kind of a geek. We had a Lord of the Rings comic a while back. When Man of Steel came out, there was a comic where... 
our coworkers want Casey to play on the office softball team, and he can't make it because he's going to see Man of Steel, that kind of thing. So we had little bits and pieces in there. Um, this, but for this, I kind of thought, why not? Because um, I thought, why not do this as as a way to the, the new Star Wars movie was coming out. So I said, okay, we'll do a comic for the new Star Wars movie. And now Casey's current uh, current boyfriend is going away to Chicago for uh, uh, the cabaret gig that he's got. And Casey's nervous about it. So I said, okay, we're going to have Casey go to Chicago. But rather than have him go to Chicago, we'll do it to the space stream where he's trying to get to Chicago. And that was the original concept. He was supposed to go, get captured, escape, and go to Chicago. <laughs> 23 comics. Boom, boom, boom. And... Um, it just it grew it grew it became more fun. The one with the uh, the droids was my favorite one to do with the panel with all with the uh, Cylon and the and Bender and the Lost in Space robot. <laughs> that was that was a fun one to do. I it took a lot of self control not to do the like just nothing but every science fiction thing I can think of. I had I had all these images of um, sci fi robots downloaded, so I would have references. And I'm like, okay, which ones am I going to use? How many? Panels am I going to do? I said, well, so I finally settled on one panel. <laughs> yeah, and just put them all in there. Yeah. So generally, Casey's nine panels. What's what's involved in generating nine panels for you? I mean, briefly describe it for the, for folks who may not be familiar with you know the process of drawing and producing a comic. Oh, um, I I do things the old fashioned way. A lot of folks work digitally. I am making that move to digital, but right now I do it. Pen and ink. Um, so basically, what you do is you see you write your script and you come up with what you're going to do and you and you sketch it out. And you say, okay, how many panels do I need? Bang, bang, bang. Then you block out your 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 paper with your panels on it and you then pencil everything in. Do your finished pencils and go back and ink it. <laughs> and then once everything's inked, you scan it in. I scan it into um, Photoshop where I do a ton of editing. <laughs> I'm cleaning up lines. I'm making people the right proportions and the right size. I, I do a lot of cleanup. In the early days, I was using lots of whiteout. I'd spend forever whiting out and redrawing. Um, but as I got better with digital editing, um, and now I can, I can redraw whole figures um, in Photoshop, which is really handy, with a mouse. So I'm very anxious to try my new graphics tablet. <laughs> nice. Um, so then once you get them in Photoshop, then you, get, then you do your flats, which are your base colors, uh, like, you know, a solid blue shirt, white face, blonde hair. Um, and you then, after all the flats are done, you go in and you add your highlights, you know, your shadows, your, your lightens, um, you do your edits, uh, where you clean up certain areas. Because when you're doing shading is when you really see where there's a problem. Are the eyes looking where they need to look? Um, is the mouth... Just just teeth, or is it open? Should it be closed? Are the proportions on? That's when you really do a lot of editing. Is at that point. Uh, then, when all that's done, then you do backgrounds. Now, backgrounds can be a lot of fun, and they can be a nightmare, um, depending on what you're doing. Um, then the space stream, I had to do a giant hangar with a shuttlecraft in it. So I had to draw the shuttlecraft, draw the hangar, make the space. And you have all these layers. But the beautiful part about Photoshop is you can layer all these things and then crunch them down when you're all done. Um, so they're a lot of fun to do. I've done some very detailed backgrounds. Back in the early years, I would um, do these 
very detailed cityscape backgrounds that I would reuse over and over again because they were very hard to do. <laughs> We've kind of gotten away from that, and I kind of miss them. So I'm going to be trying to bring that back because I like the idea that you feel that Casey's in the city. And I think we've kind of gotten away from that a lot, where he's been inside a lot. We won't get outside as much as we used to. And I can only use the 23rd Street background so many times. <laughs> I, I change the color. I change the angle. I change things. Hopefully no one notices. Um, so then you get your backgrounds done. And it's all good. You then uh, open it in Illustrator to add all your dialogue. And one of the steps that I've taken in the last couple of years is... Remember I told you about the editing phase? When you're doing the initial editing after your inks are done, you've scanned it. What I do now is I put my dialogue in there in Photoshop is when I go through my script and put it in all panels. And that's when I decide, does the script work? Are they saying what they need to say? Do I need to punch the script up a little bit better? It's made me a better writer because I'm actually doing my editing earlier so that if I need to make changes, I'm more aware of them. than in the old days, I used to do it at the end and it'd be deadline and I'd be like, I don't have time. We post, we post, we post in two hours. I got to go with this. Now I'm doing it early, which helps the writing. It also helps you with character placement because if you've got a big bunch of dialogue and word balloons, you put it in when you're doing the editing phase, then you can say, okay, the characters need to be smaller. I need to move them down on the panel. I need to do something else to get these word balloons in to get this dialogue to work and to make the panel look better so that I'm not doing a bunch of post-editing or changing dialogue to fit the panels, which is what I used to do back in the early days. So that works out really well. So then at the end, you have your Illustrator format with all your dialogue on it, your finished, your finished graphic. You flatten that out, you send it out as a uh, JPEG, and you post it on uh, the website. I use a, self a, self I use a hosted website through um, uh, using WordPress themes on, um, who's my carrier? My carrier is just host. I'll give them a plug. <laughs> and... So yeah, I pay for I pay for you know an annual fee to have them host my site, which is great. I don't have to think about it; they take care of everything everything for me. I've only had one service issue that was last year, where the comic was down for about three days, and I was like, "What's happening?" I had people writing me, "You know, your comic's down." <laughs> yes, I know. But, I, but it's been pretty good. And there's other there's other things you can do. You can post for free on certain other sites, mm -hmm. but I I choose to have my a dedicated site, which I think works well. But that's that's pretty much the process. As I said, I have this new fancy graphic tablet. There you go. <laughs> nice. It looks very sleek. It is very sleek, and it's great because the yeah the, the screen it has a screen on it, so the screen comes up, and I can work right there directly on the screen, and it'll transfer to the Photoshop. So hopefully, it'll speed up the drawing process because, as I pointed out. With doing sketches and then the original pencils and then the finished pencils and the ink, you're drawing sometimes some, some things four times before you ever get to the point where you're doing any of the coloring. And it's a very slow process. A full color page takes time to do. And because I have a day job, it's mm -hmm. not like I can spend hours every day working on the page. So I'm hoping that this will speed up the process. We can make that big move to twice a week, which is... Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I'd like I would to get love back. That. I, I, mind you, I'd like to be. I'd like to get back to once a week. <laughs> Little steps. We'll get back to once a week, and then we'll do twice a week. So, with over two hundred strips out already, uh, should new readers feel cautious about just jumping in, or are there things they need to know in the backlog? Um, two hundred comics goes pretty quick. If you want to read the his, if you want to read the archive, it's you know it's a good hour maybe to go through and read them read them through. 
Um, I don't. I try to keep a story self-contained. There's a cast list that needs to be updated. I freely admit it that people can look at and get an idea of who people are. Um, there's some of the newer characters aren't in that cast list, and so I do need to update that. But no, I think uh, a new reader can easily come in and go through. We have an archive there they can poke through. I'm going to be restructuring the site and adding chapters. Because when I started, it hadn't really occurred to me that I should do chapters. Now I'm kind of realizing as we've moved along, um, chapters might be more helpful. So you'd have like Space Dream chapter, uh, Hockey Wedding chapter, uh, Bowling chapter, you know, those kind of things. So people can go to a chapter and understand and can read chapters that would help them follow along more than having to just go to the archive and start all the way back with, with one and then read all the way forward. Mm-hmm. They can see breaks, more natural breaks where they can read a story and say, oh, a game plays pool. Oh, new softball season. That kind of thing. And so we're going to be restructuring that. I always say we. I don't know who this other, I don't know who this other person is. But they're, it's that virtual staff you've got. It is, that virtual staff. Casey Central. And so, you also, you I showed at the beginning, you've got the compilation book. Yes. That you put out. Uh, I think this came out in what, like 2014? That came out in 2014. Yeah, I put that out, yeah, two years ago. And then I think you're, you said you were working on another one as well. Yeah, the the first book covered the first 100 strips, I think it was. Um, covered the first two years, and um, it, it's good. It, it's, it's a fun read. Um, what I had to do to put that together was we had to I, – I had to go back and re-edit the <laughs> um, first few comics because they were really rough. and In print, they looked awful. So I had to go back in and redo a lot of the art and the, the process of how I put in the art. I actually used the original art, but um, I rescanned it and did everything more uh, proper, properly, so it looked better. Uh, one of the things also about doing the first book that was a challenge was the original, the first year of Casey saw lots of different formats. There was the nine-panel format. There was a six-panel format. There was a twelve-panel format. There was it was it was really long. It was really tall. It was wide. It was because I really didn't know what I was doing that first year. Um, and so trying to put that all in the book that fit a format, the book ended up being uh, slightly bigger than I would have liked in terms of size. Mm-hmm. Um, so the second book. Uh, now we've got a sta- we've have a, we've had an established format now for three years, so now the established book is going to be slightly smaller, um, and uh, but it'll cover it'll cover everything up to uh, the space dream and actually the comics that I'm doing now as a kind of an epilogue to that as we then close that. Because uh, Casey will go to Chicago. And- Casey will be going to Chicago. That's actually one of the big story arcs coming up is Casey going to Chicago. Uh, there's a couple of other big story arcs kind of in the works. Do you, you want to tease out? Uh, well, we all know Joey, Joey lost his job at the cable company and will be ending up working at the cupcake shop with Dougie. Uh, Nate is going to be re- making a reappearance um, with his new boyfriend and trying to get Dougie into a new business venture. Uh, one of the things I'm trying to do is focus a little bit more on some of the supporting characters because we just did this big Casey arc. I mean, before that we did a big Joey arc, and um, so we're going to try to I'm going to try to bring some of the other characters into the forefront a little bit more, at least for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. 
but we will be going to Chicago. I have to do a lot of photo references to see what Chicago looks like. So that'll be fun to do those backgrounds again that I talked about. Yeah, you want to do backgrounds, so there you go. Yeah. Any advice for anybody who would be looking to start a digital comic? Um, well, a couple of things. Um, there are thousands of comics out there. And so what you want to make sure you do is have a good concept and uh, good art and be committed to doing it. Um, once you get going, readers expect a consistent output. And that's how you build an audience. So if you go out there with something and you're posting like once a month or you know once every couple of weeks, it's kind of hard to build an audience. So you want to be ready. Build a bunch of comics, have them ready to go. When you, when you launch your site. When I launched Casey, I had eight weeks ready to go. So when I launched, I was able to say, okay, here are those eight weeks as I was putting everything together. And the first year was a little rough. I didn't have a consistent update schedule and that hurt. But then we kind of hit our stride and we went two solid years without missing a weekly update, which helped build the audience. Um, uh, figure out what you want to do. Figure out what your story is. And, um, and then start doing the work, really. I mean, that's... Comic comics can be hard, especially if you have a day job, to stay on them. And you know, you 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 you've got this comic, you put all this work into it, you put it online, and yeah, look at your numbers, and you go, oh, <laughs> that's that's disappointing, and it can be frustrating. So you have to understand you're starting out against thousands of comics that are established, um, and already have an audience, and you say you need to build your audience, and there's lots of ways to do that. You can uh, join comic collectives, things like Ink, Ink Outbreak and Com My Comic Rocket will, will post your comic alongside all these other comics and then redirect people to your site, uh, which is really handy. You can buy ads and post them on other comics that are similar to yours. Let's say you do a comic about um, horse wizards. So you want to say, okay, I need comics about horses and wizards. I'm going to advertise on those about this wonderful horse wizard comic I have. And so that's a good way to get people to come see your comic because that's the kind of the key. Once you've got it up there, you've got to utilize your advertising tools, your uh, collective site tools, and your social media tools to get people to look at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Sounds a lot like what authors go through. Yo, it's exactly yeah. the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Um, Are there other comics out there that if people fall in love with K2 that you'd recommend that they, t that they check out? Oh wow, um, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a very good question. Um, if people are looking for um, uh, LGBT themed comics, uh, there are several out there. There are tons of them out there. Um, a good resource for that on Tumblr is called the Slash Pile, which is a big archive of uh, LGBT themed web comics. So there, that's a good resource to go to to find things. Uh, Jay Fuller, who does Boy and Pink Earmuffs, has a website of uh, also of LGBT webcomics. Actually, if you type in Google search LGBT webcomics, his page is the first one that comes up, and it's a big list of comics that have gay characters um, as their main uh, as their main thrust. So there's a lot of good stuff there too. Um, a wonderful comic. A one if you like my comic, you will love Tony Breed's work. He does a comic called Muddler's Beat, and it is. One of the most brilliant comics out there. And um, before that, the comic was called Finn and Charlie are Hitched. It's about a gay married couple and um, slice of life stuff. And it's beautiful artwork and a great comic. Very funny. Uh, those are two that I would recommend. Um, there are others. 
there's a very popular comic, very popular comic called Questionable Content by Jeff Jocks, which is a hugely successful comic that my comic is similar in style to. It's a full page of color, uh, people going about their daily lives. Um, so there, there's that. Uh, there, there are, there's, a, there's a ton of others. I'm just drawing a blank right now because that's well, you gave us quite a few. That's that's one of the new questions. <laughs> that is a new question. Yeah, <laughs> didn't prep you for that one. So besides Rainbow Book Fair, where can uh, fans find you this year? Um, well, uh, this year I'm kind of staying local. Last year I made trips out to um, uh, Massachusetts and Texas. Uh, this year I'm staying local. I will be at FlameCon in August in Brooklyn. And that's uh, Geeks Out organization's um, LGBT-themed uh, Comic-Con. Uh, last year was their first year, and it was very successful. This year is going to be even bigger. Um, tickets are still available at flamecon.org. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will be there in August. It's, um, I've, in, I've submitted um, an application for the Queer Comic, Comic Expo in San Francisco in June. Even though I said I wasn't going to travel, I said, oh, wait, this is another gay show, so I want to do that. We'll see if I get it. Um, and then if I get it, I have to see if I can afford to go. <laughs> okay. If you oh, come well, out there, let me know, because we'll come down and I say will, hi. I will definitely let you know. My goal is to um, have the second book ready for FlameCon. Um, if I go to San Francisco, I may have to speed that schedule up to try to have a book ready in June. Um that's that's a tough call, so I have to see what's going on with that. But okay. I may be launching a Kickstarter for the second book. I haven't decided yet. We're going to do Kickstarter or we're going to do self-publishing again. I haven't made up my mind on that. Part of me wants to try the Kickstarter because that would be kind of a fun thing to do that I haven't really done before. Uh, I will be at the Mocha Fest next week, but I don't know if this is going to air before next week. <laughs> so. This will air Mar April 4th. Third, I think it is. April third, Monday before. At the Mocha Fest. So if you're watching this and it's Sunday, April third, go to the Mocha Festival in New York City. <laughs> Tell them you saw me on this podcast. Or just come find us the following Saturday. <laughs> That's true. Um, so question of the week. We always ask a question on the podcast, and then when we have guests, we, we give them that question. And and this week's question, unfortunately not comic based, uh, it's how often do you browse a physical bookstore for books? For books, um, for comics and graphic novels, every couple of weeks. Um, Wednesday is of course New Comic Book Day, and so I used to go every Wednesday and look at the new books, especially when Marvel was doing the Secret Wars and they were launching new titles in the New Fifty Two for DC, and I would go every Wednesday to see what was new. Uh, for print books, I. Um, don't get out that often to do that because I don't no longer commute. When I used to take the train, I read books like crazy. I was I was the guy with it with the big book, reading on the train every day. Uh, but now I walk to work, and so it's more difficult to read. And so I've got tons of books here in the house. So I don't get to bookstores to look at, at print books that often anymore, which is frustrating because I love reading. I just don't have as much time as I used to. So you just need to move again so you can have a commute where you can there, read a book. There, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> I kind of miss it. So now you get the chance to ask our listeners a question. Hmm? You get the chance to ask our listeners a question. Oh. Well, um, 
if the listeners are interested in comics, what comics do they like to read online? Do they like long form? Do they like Gagaday? Um, are they into the sci-fi epics? That kind of thing. Okay. We will give that a go and see what people come back with. Cool. Awesome. Well, Bob, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Thank you for having me. I look forward nice. to seeing you next on Saturday at the book fair. Everybody should come go. out and see us. We're sharing a table. We'll kind of be the sporting table between my hat trick books and Casey. So it was great talking to Bob about uh, Casey at the Bat. Look forward to hanging out with him next Saturday at Rainbow Book Fair. Come see us. There's going to be great people there. Um, Wade Kelly is going to be there. Tammy Smith is going to be there. Uh, A.E. Vi is going to be there. Uh, Max Voss. A whole bunch of other people. So come on down and see us. And uh, have a good time at the fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, question of the week for this week that Bob asks us. What comics do you like to read online? Long form, sci-fi, epics, gagaday, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll let you answer first. Um, there's only one comic that I have been reading online for uh, a significant period of time, and that's Kyle's Bed and Breakfast by Greg Fox. Um, it's essentially the the ongoing lives and loves of a, a group of of gay guys living at a bed and breakfast in Long Island, and it's it's cute, it's funny, it's heartfelt. Um, I've been reading it for a couple of years. It comes out every other Tuesday, so it's uh, every two weeks. Okay. Yeah, so I recommend that. I like that. I like that comic a lot. So I read Casey all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I see a new episode that has come out, I will hop over there and read that. Uh, after we stopped recording, Bob actually turned me on to a new comic that's going to become a thing for me. I'm working on its back episodes right now. It's called Check, Please, by an artist whose name I will not even attempt. Sorry. See the show notes for that. Uh, check, please. Uh, you might think it's about a restaurant, but no, it's hockey. <laughs> it is hockey. Uh, it features Eric Br- Biddle, who's a former junior Georgia junior figure skating champion, a vlogger, and an amateur baker. And he's starting his freshman year playing hockey at Samuel University in Massachusetts. Um, he played co-ed hockey back in the South, because he's a Georgia boy. And up here, he's finding out that there's checking, which is a brand new thing for him. Uh, And there's falling in love with your teammates. It is an adorable comic. It is beautifully drawn. Um, I've started back at the beginning. Um, It looks like they're in a bit of a pause right now. The last posted episode was back in February, and they closed off uh, the sophomore year uh, Mm -hmm. for the students. So it looks like I'm on a little hiatus right now, and I'm sure it'll be back. Uh, to finish it out, because it does talk about, you know, four years of, of arc with these guys. Um, so we'll link to that in the show notes. You should check that out. And Kyle's Bed and Breakfast will have in the show notes as well. Yeah. So, everyone out there listening, what comics do you like to read online? You can leave your answer in the show notes page of this particular episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. This might be the episode where we've mentioned the, the website the most. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you need to you need to go there and get all the cool deets on all the awesome stuff we talk about. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, I think that'll do it for this episode. I think it will. Okay. Come see us at Rainbow Book Fair. I'll be there noon to six on Saturday. It's at the John Jay Criminal Justice School in Midtown Manhattan. And I'll be poking my head in and out throughout the day. Yes, yeah. you certainly will be. And we'll be in New York all next week. Mm-hmm. Hanging out, seeing shows, seeing friends. 
doing the book fair and stuff. Should be a good time. Absolutely. So, our our parting note to you will be: please go leave us a review. If you've listened to our 26 episodes, or even if this is your first one, we'd love to see your review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Yes. That would be awesome. Awesome. So have a great week, and we will see you back here in about seven days. Okay. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. For detailed show notes, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com.